This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for June 21st. And for the Old Testament today, we're going to be starting the book of 2 Kings. And the book of 2 Kings begins with the end of the ministry and life of Elijah. After King Ahab's death, the nation of Moab declared its independence from Israel. One day, Israel's new king, Ahaziah, fell through the latticework of an upper room in his palace in Samaria, and he was seriously injured. So he sent messengers to the temple of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether he would recover. But the angel of the Lord told Elijah, who was from Tishbe, go and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, why are you going to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether the king will get well? Is there no god in Israel? Now, therefore, this is what the Lord says, you will never leave the bed on which you are lying, for you will surely die. So Elijah went to deliver the message. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, why have you returned so soon? They replied, a man came up to us and said, go back to the king and give him this message from the Lord. Why are you sending men to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will get well? Is there no god in Israel? Now, since you have done this, you will never leave the bed on which you are lying, but you will surely die. Who was this man? The king demanded. What did he look like? They replied, he was a hairy man and he wore a leather belt around his waist. It was Elijah from Tishbe, the king exclaimed. Then he sent an army captain with 50 soldiers to arrest him. They found him sitting on the top of a hill. The captain said to him, man of God, the king has commanded you to come along with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. <coughs> so the king sent another captain with 50 men. The captain said to him, man of God, the king says that you must come down right away. Elijah replied, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. And again, the fire of God fell from heaven and killed them all. Once more, the king sent a captain with 50 men. But this time, the captain fell to his knees before Elijah. I think I would have as well. He pleaded with him, O oh man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these, your 50 servants. See how the fire from heaven has destroyed the first two groups. But now, please spare my life. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, don't be afraid, go with him. So Elijah got up and went to the king. And Elijah said to the king, this is what the Lord says. Why did you send messengers to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will get well? Is there no god in Israel? Now, since you have done this, you will never leave the bed on which you are lying, but you will surely die. So Ahaziah died, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Since Ahaziah did not have a son to succeed him, his brother Joram became the next king. 
This took place in the second year of the reign of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The rest of the events in Ahaziah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Quiet, Elisha answered. Of course I know it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Quiet, he answered again. Of course I know it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elisha and Elijah stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, What can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, Please let me become your rightful successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between them, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his robe in two. Then Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak and returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with the cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw what happened, they exclaimed, Elisha has become Elijah's successor. And they went down to meet him and bowed down before him. Sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or some valley. No, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until he was embarrassed, so he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but did not find Elijah. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked. Now the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. This town is located in beautiful natural surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then they went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have made this water wholesome. 
It will no longer cause death or infertility. And sure enough, the water has remained wholesome ever since, just as Elisha said. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, you bald head, they chanted. Go away, you bald head. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. Turning to the New Testament, Acts chapter 13, verse 42. And Paul and Barnabas, um, Paul has just been preaching in the synagogue there in uh, Antioch. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people asked them to return again and speak these things about these things next week. Many Jews and godly converts to Judaism who worshiped at the synagogue followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them, by God's grace, remain faithful. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when the Jewish leaders saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out loudly and declared, it was necessary that this good news from God be given first to you, Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, well, we will offer it to Gentiles. For this is as the Lord commanded us when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message and all who were appointed to eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jewish leaders stirred up both the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to the city of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I just think that's impressive that they could be run out of town and they are filled with joy. Chapter 14. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went together to the synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who spurned God's message stirred up distrust among the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas, saying all sorts of evil things about them. The apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. A mob of Gentiles and Jews along with their leaders decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled for their lives. They went to the region of Lycaonia and to the cities of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding areas, and they preached the good news there. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am, 
You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. You both precede and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. I can never escape from your sight. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride in the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies take your name in vain. O oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who resist you? Yes, I hate them with complete hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Proverbs 17, 19 through 21. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Anyone who speaks boastfully invites disaster. The crooked heart will not prosper. The wicked tongue tumbles into trouble. It is painful to be the parent of a fool. There is no joy for the father of a rebel. And to end today, I'm going to share with you a um, what's actually a poem uh, from Paul David Tripp from New Morning Mercies. And the introduction says, "If you're gods, tell yourself you uh, to tell yourself you can't do what you've been called to do is to preach private heresy. You have been enabled by grace." And this is the poem. We just never stop talking to ourselves. We never stop preaching some kind of gospel to ourselves. It's a gospel of lone, aloneness, partiality, poverty, inability, of functional hopelessness. Or it's the true gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel of hope, mercy, forgiveness, rescue, love, transformation, of never being alone, of never being without help, of one who is near, of one who cares, of a beautiful forever, a wash in victory. We're always listening to what we are preaching.
today, what kind of gospel will you preach to you? And what effect will it have on how you live? I hope you will preach to yourself the true gospel of God's love for you today. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.